everybody. Welcome to Between the Horns. It is Thursday, February 7th. I'm Miles Simmons. Across the table from me is DeMarco Farr. And we are here to wrap up the Los Angeles Rams 2018 season as they fell 13-3 to the Patriots in Super Bowl 53. DeMarco, biggest takeaway from What up, game. man? Oh, no, hell of a year, bro. Yeah. Uh, just the, the emotions of everything, the, the, the emergence of, Jeff, of Jared Goff. Todd Gurley as a featured weapon. Um, Aaron Donald with 20 and a half sacks. Come on, dude. I mean, you'll you'll probably never see anything like that again, maybe, if he comes back better. But hell of a year. Um, You know, great to wrap up the division, uh, wrap up the NFC Conference, the NFC Conference Championship, and then get into the Super Bowl. Obviously, it didn't go the way you wanted it to go, but fantastic year great year i'd have to agree with you i mean it's the best year that i mean i've ever seen Mm -hmm. is the in this role in this job and i think there's so much that was so positive about the year and we'll really wrap up the year probably toward the end of the show Mm -hmm. but you know just to to get to that game to get to the super bowl in general is a huge accomplishment Mm -hmm. and obviously when you lose 13 to 3 and it's the lowest scoring super bowl in super bowl history like that's not (laughs) That's not an ideal outcome. No, I, I remember sitting there when I, when I was teammates with Isaac Bruce. We used to talk about, we used to dream about going to the Super Bowl, and we said the same thing. We want to have the lowest rated Super Bowl of all time. Like, we didn't care. <laughs> right. We didn't care if anybody sure. liked it or, or wanted to see it. We just wanted to win it. So it is what it is. I mean, look, I, I don't think the Patriots care about the ratings or about the score. Nope. All they care about is, you know, championship parades and rings. And that's what it's about. That's what it should be about. Exactly. So uh, let's just start. I don't start- care that Maroon 5 stunk. And I'm just kidding. Wow. No, I'm I, didn't, I didn't even see the show. I haven't even looked at the, the, the replays of Maroon 5. I don't know. You know, to be honest with you, I haven't looked at it either. But my mom said that it was good inside the stadium. She okay. said it was great. I heard Alan Levine was naked. He yes, there there are different uh, rules apparently for male and female nipples on. Okay, based on Janet Jackson. Beach then, rules, right? <laughs> <laughs> Public beach rules, right? Yes, yeah. yes, it's exactly. Good to be a guy, no. right? So, <laughs> right, but let's let's just start here because this is what everybody's talking about, and I know you and I were just going back and forth about the whole sports radio conspiracy theories. Oh, yeah. But uh, yes, well, sports talk radio is like jackass, but verbally. Wow. Remember the movie Jackass? I mean, I, you know. Yeah. Let, let me let me try to top the guy that just lit his fart on fire. So let me say something completely, totally stupid and outlandish. Just to get you to pay attention to me. Right. Come on, dude. Yes. Really? So that's that's then some of the stuff that's in our mentions about yeah. Todd Gurley. These yeah. things that are just kind of outlandish and they're dumb. And to me, they're just wrong. And it's if you watch the game, you would understand what happened there. You know, everybody's talking about how, oh, my gosh, how could Sean McVay not use Todd Gurley? How could he do this? How could he do that? The Rams had two first downs. In the entire first half. Heard he was a running back when you can't even pick up a first thank down. Thank you. They, had, they were 0 of 6 oh. on third down in the entire first these, half. I swear some of these morons have never played organized sports in their life, let alone football. Well, no, it's not even it, people you know, that have not played football. Yeah. I'm watching Inside the NFL last yeah. night, right? And Ray Lewis is talking about this same thing. You know, he's saying, oh my goodness, how could they possibly go away from Todd Gurley? I can't believe it. He's what got you there. He needs to have X amount of touch. And Phil Sims is the only guy on the show who's like, did you watch? Like, right. look at look at what this is. You had two first downs. You cannot establish the run with a running back or whatnot if you have two first downs yeah. in a half. See, I, I hate it. Um, look, it, the Rams lost, so you have to deal with that. But I hate the fact that they're taking away 
the glory from the Patriots' defense and how well they played. It's not about what McVay did or did not do. They were kicking ass. Yeah. They were playing. A, they had a great game. They had a great game plan. They executed the game plan. They took it to the Rams. Give them credit before you start taking away from this side. I hate that. I really do. Oh, it's bad offense. No, how about great defense for once? Especially a guy like Ray Lewis. You yeah. should know. Right. Come on. Yeah. Phil Simms has to bail us out. Come on, dude. No, really? I know. But that's the thing. It's like I don't I don't quite understand why it is that everybody is saying, you know, it, the, the whole thing was sort of a disaster for the Rams offensively. This is not a girly issue. This is a Rams offense no. issue. When you, yeah. That's what I'm saying. When you go 0 of 6 on third down and a half, you're 1 of 10 on third down through three quarters. You basically got three first downs. You didn't have a drive longer right. than five plays until the end of the third quarter. Why can't you? That's your problem. Just give credit to Belichick and his staff and his players. I can't. They, they, I mean, I'm talking to everyone else oh, okay, that's, that's yeah. trying to figure out what went wrong with the Rams. Look at Belichick and his scheme and what they did. Great defensive effort. If it wasn't for Julian Edelman tying up the defense, I think probably Hightower wins MVP. He, he was all over the place. I mean, Van Oy was all over the place. They're... Their core seven guys, the guys that stay on the field for most of the game, had a great game. I think they had four sacks, uh, ten quarterback hits. This is between the same seven guys. Twelve uh, quarterback hits tomorrow. No, just the same seven. Oh, just these same okay, seven okay, guys. Okay, okay. They had ten of the twelve hits. Right. I mean, these core seven dudes, the McCourty brothers, Gilmore, they all played their butts off. That's the reason the Rams looked like they did. Not because of what McVay did. Right. Or what McVay didn't do. Or what he didn't do. Come on. That, I hate that. Give credit to the champs. Right. Yeah. Right. I mean, they came out with a great game plan. Mm -hmm. They had that 6-1 front, and that really took away the outside zone stuff. Yeah. And then you also were playing quarters coverage. That kind of takes away some of the play action stuff that 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 um, you would do on early downs. Yeah. So, <coughs> oh, excuse me. Front and coverage with directives. So if you look a little deeper... Like the outside guys on certain plays would just bang tight ends or bang anybody out to the flat before they either drop to their coverage or rush the passer. I mean, that's Belichick stuff. Yes. That's, that's him in your game plan. Okay, when this, they like to do this, so I need you to watch here, then drop to there. You know, that, that sort of stuff. He's not just calling front and coverage and say, go play. He's giving you directives on how to take things away and how to make it tough on Jared Goff. And to me, watching, you could tell how they talked about him going into the game. The body language. Every time they hit him, they would give him the business, bump him on the way back to the huddle. It was all about getting to Jared Goff. It was. And for the most part, they did. They did. I mean, I and that's that to me is what the bigger issue is, mm -hmm. right? You know, when you have the quarterback who's not playing well, then that means that the running back is not going to be able to get going. Right. Because even if the Rams, and they did sometimes, you know, you're running on first and second down. That's what they were doing on the first drive. And then you can't convert on third down because the quarterback isn't getting the ball to where it needs to be. Right. Then that's what your issue is. Or, like, I'm used to dropping back here, rolling right, and throwing to an area, but all of a sudden now that's flooded. Okay, now what do I do? Right. Let me go to my second read. Well, that's on the ground because that backer knocked him down. Right. So now I have to hold the football, run to the sideline. And hope I don't get hit. Well, for the most part, he did. And moving into Todd Gurley, and let me let me explain something. When a player says, I'm 100%, that means I can play. That doesn't mean he's completely healthy. That just means I can go. And most players at this point will go no matter what. But look, I mean, when you're only attacking half the field or you're attacking in certain ways and you don't have the, I guess, the benefit of cutting back on both feet <laughs> – 
and it's not obvious, and it's very obvious that you can only cut one way, well, any defense is going to take what you do away. They're going to force you to go to hard road. You could tell Todd wasn't Todd. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what else we can say about that. You know, I mean, even if he's not, though, if he's going to continue to say he's able to go, if he's not on the injury report, I cannot assume injury. You know, and and not only that, but Sean McVay said the other day that the, the as far as he knows, there's no plans for any kind of cleanup surgery with Todd Gurley and his knee. So good. There's nothing. There's nothing that I can personally say. To report that, okay, yes, Todd is not healthy. Well, I can. I don't know. I can go back and look at the first four weeks, and then look at the last three games and tell there's something I, there's something up. But if he's 100, percent if he's saying he's 100, percent that just means I'm going. I'm going to play. I'm going to be out there for my team. But watch the tape. You can tell there's something going on there. But we don't know what it is, right, Demarco? Right. And Absolutely. Like, to that, and so to that point, I mean, it's not like he was totally ineffective. No, I mean, he had a 16-yard run. He had a 10-yard run that got called back by a John Sullivan hold. So, like any time, which was that, iffy as blank. Right. <laughs> wow. I know. Iffy as you know what? <laughs> oh my God! Wow. Oh goodness. That's all right. I'm coughing at hey, everything man. today, man. Atlanta was fun. <laughs> Atlanta, was, Atlanta was fun. I'm paying for it this week. Absolutely. But I think from that perspective, it's not like Todd was doing nothing. No, no, no. But anytime that you started to get a little bit going, there's a false start. There's a hold. There's a negative run. It you just never were able to get into a rhythm, and that's why you're in third and whatever, third and long oh, most God. of the time, and you're not able to convert those third downs. You tell me, I know. Look, I, I think Sean McVay is a genius play caller, but you tell me what you have for second and twenty-two. Uh, not much. <laughs> right. What what play do you call for second and twenty-two? I mean, I don't repeatedly. know. The one thing that the one thing that I know that worked last year was third and thirty-three. You got a fifty-two-yard touchdown against to the worst Woods. defense known to man in exactly. New York. Exactly. <laughs> right, so right. that's not what you're going to get in the Super Bowl no, God, with the no. New England Patriots. No, they're going to keep the pressure on you. But what they needed, in my opinion, offensively, was something and somebody special. They needed somebody that was that could go beyond what Belichick was throwing at him, break two tackles, and then bust off a long run. You know what I mean? Or yes. something. Uh, catch and carry. Something spectacular. And you had your chances. Uh, you had Cooks deep a few times behind the defense or behind the secondary, and you just couldn't make those plays. But those were your only opportunities. And this is the funny thing about the NFL, the Super Bowl, and playing a Belichick defense. When you have opportunities, you have got to hit them. Because they're not going to come around again. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, I I thought that, you know, both teams played their guts out, and there can be only one champion. It's true. Yeah. And there are only two teams playing on that day. Right. You know? And no matter what, they can't take that NFC championship away from you. And That uh, that is an accomplishment. Right. And the other thing, look, you you have to look at, before you start blaming Todd, look it up front, too. That was my next topic, yeah. Give New England credit, man. They, They... they did some damage up front. They really blew some holes in that offensive line, uh, that spectacular offensive line. But, you know, every now and then somebody's going to eat your lunch, and they did. They did. Yep. And, I mean, it was almost like the Chicago game in that just nothing seemed to go right up front. Yeah. You know, and I think – I can't remember exactly who it was. I think it was Jared Goff that said – um, the the Patriots seem to take some things from Chicago mm-hmm. and implement that, but I think they also took some things from what Detroit did 
in, back in that game where the Rams won at 30 to 16. Yeah. But you could tell that that game, you just did not really get into a rhythm offensively. Right. And with Matt Patricia, you know, obviously he comes from New England, mm-hmm. that defensive system. I think that things just kind of translated seamlessly. Danny Shelton, big dude, up in the middle. Um, you know, when he when you had to set for his bull rush, he swam you. Got in the backfield, made something happen, was really disruptive. Adrian Claiborne out at the right end. I mean, he is not technical. I mean, it is not pretty what he does. He puts his helmet in your neck and bulls you to the quarterback. So if you want to if I if you can take anything away from that game that was like Chicago, like Detroit, like Philadelphia, it was the physicality up front. Yeah. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't guys trying to get into the Pro Bowl. It was guys trying to get in the phone booth and tear your heart out. Right. Yeah. And, and they and they had a good plan for the Rams. They had a great plan. And then so when you have Jared Goff and he's getting hit twelve times and he's getting sacked four times that and not only that, but you had seven tackles for loss yeah. on you. That speaks to really the how they were able to permeate that offensive line. Go look again. It's the same seven guys over and over and over again. Yeah. And they just kept switching off. Hightower, then Van Noy, then Danny Shelton again, the McCordy brothers. Uh, just Gilmore making play after play. It was the same guys over and over and over again. So that's accepting the challenge. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And just... I don't know. The the Rams just did not have whatever they needed yeah. in order to win that game. I mean, it it was just I I said this to um, Clarence in the press box. Like, I, it see it was almost like LSU Alabama when we watched that game. You know, in well, November, didn't Alabama beat the snot out of them? Yeah. Well, I mean, this was close. This was close, yeah. but like it this was... This was a one-score game until they hit the field goal. I know, but just... <laughs> it seemed that way. Yeah. From a defensive standpoint from the Patriots, they hadn't answered everything. True, and that's the other thing. That and That's where yeah. it seemed like that to me. There's nothing wrong with a player saying, you know what, he just kicked my ass, or he outplayed me today. So when McVay said, it, I got out coached, that's not a big deal. I mean, he's going to take that tape and become better. I bet he already is better from watching that tape. Probably. That's just how far ahead Belichick is. Let, yes. Yeah, let me show you what you don't know. Let me show you what I did. Watch this, and the next time you face someone else, you'll have answers. That's just the way it goes. Well, right, and I think that that's part of Sean McVay being 33 years old mm-hmm. and Bill Belichick being 66 years old and being in the league like since yeah. before Sean McVay was even born. Or I was going to say, a head coach for... How long has Belichick been a head coach? Since like 1991. Okay, and and a head coach two years. I I can care less about how old they are. It's just experience leading the ship. Sure. You know what I mean? So it's a little bit different. But he's going to take that and become better. He is. No doubt. Yeah, I mean, you you have to. There's some things that you don't know. There's some things that you wish you could have done better. And the only way to know that or to feel that or to get better from that is to have a game just like that. Sure. And not only not only him, but also Jared Goff. Yeah. You know, this is something that he definitely can learn from. Just the experience of trying to see the field well, trying to read different coverages, you know, knowing how to get rid of the ball in Mm -hmm. different situations like this. He's only going to get better from this, too. I think that there really is something to the fact that these guys who are really leading the Rams are very young. Mm -hmm. And when you have these experiences when you're young, you're only going to get better for them and you're only going to be better for them down the road. Well, after the game and, you know, down there on the sidelines where I can actually see the wounds that are bleeding from your quarterback, which ain't good. I mean, it's a signal when your quarterback comes off the field and he's got blood coming off his arms. That's a signal things aren't going well. But the the one thought I had was, thank God there's no next week Mm. because he's going to need a week off 
after this beating. I mean, he was hitting the turf time and time again. Everything. I mean, everything was rough for him. Everything ended with a thud. You know? Yes. Even the passes he completed, it was rough. It yes. was tough. So, yeah. Uh, I'm glad that was the last game of the year for him. But, you know, if once he heals up and he goes back and watches and, and sees what he did wrong and what he could do better, uh, I'm sure he's going to get better, hopefully. Yeah. Yes, and I think this is this is a thing that he can really improve from. Like it's he's taken such dramatic steps from year one to year two, and even from year two to year three, mm-hmm. where he's really gotten better. And I think he didn't necessarily mm. see that yeah. in maybe the after the bye week, you know, like whereas before it was like Jared Goff was hitting every every pass, you always felt so confident. And I don't know what it was after the bye week, but it seemed like maybe some things got a little bit figured out from defenses to looking at the Rams, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> so, but it's a lot of football. Right. So, next year, I mean, A McVay is going to have a chance to really scheme different things up and, you know, go into the season with more different plays. You, the the more you can stack on top of each other, right? Like this is going to be the third year of the system under Sean McVay. It's mm-hmm. almost like it's like going from geometry to advanced math to calculus, mm-hmm. right? You're right. you're going to be able to implement more things. You're going to know what the system is even better. And I think that it for Jared Goff is going to be huge. For me, I think when you're running out of 11, it's finite. Eventually, you're going to run out of plays. There's only so much you can do out of one personnel group. So okay. to me, after the bye week, what should have happened was that's when Todd Gurley starts to take over, running the football traditionally. You're not going to be able to fool anybody, but that didn't happen. You went the other way with that. So you were struggling there. Uh, thank God for C.J. Anderson. And another thing on C.J. Anderson, uh, when people are saying that you should definitely sign him back, I'm not saying that's not true, but if Malcolm Brown didn't get hurt, I expect the same sort of production out of your backup tailback, especially going against a bad Arizona squad, going against San Francisco, and then going into Dallas when you can supplement with Todd Gurley. But, you know, thank God for CJ. I think that's how you end the year. And, uh, but I think you're going to have to have a little more variety offensively going into next season. I, I think you're going to have that. to have more personnel groups, just a little bit more for the defense to think about than just keying in on all your 11 personnel plays. Right. Because there's only so much you can do. Right. And, and yeah, you're probably right. That's probably what happened um, just in terms of defenses starting to figure out what it was that the Rams liked to do and mm-hmm. how they did different things. It's almost like, because people ask us this too, you know, when we ask for the mailbag questions, like, where, do you think it was ever a consideration to put Gurley and Anderson in the backfield at the same time? And I've watched practice all last week um, with the NFL um uh, the Pro Football Writers of America, I should say, um, pool reporter, uh, Sharon Williams out mm-hmm. of Dallas, Fort Worth, writes for Pro Football Talk now. She's great. Um, we watched practice the whole week, and I can tell you that that w- did not seem no. to be a consideration. If you're going to go two backs, then just have a fullback. Sure. Y- you're talking about two guys that are used to carrying the rock, not blocking. Right. So if you have two backs and you give it to one, the other one's blocking. And yes. that's not his forte. So yes. what's the point? Uh, like New England, if you're going to run it with two backs, have a guy like Devlin who's got one job. Knock people stiff and let the running back get out. Exactly. So I think from that standpoint, it's like uh, people seem to think like, oh, you know, it just gives them more things to think about. But there's only so much smoke and mirrors that you can use, especially against a team like New England. Yeah. If you see that NFL mic'd up, Bill Belichick is saying like, hey, all of that backfield action, it's smoke and mirrors. Ignore it Mm -hmm. and just concentrate on the ball. 
That because sucks. that's all <laughs> that really sucks. I hate him. God, I, I love him, but I hate him. He's so smart. But all the yeah. that, and but that's why when you go to a six-one front too, like you yeah. don't have anybody to fool with play action because there's only one guy. Good luck. It's not like right. Yeah. So it's not like you really have all those different options oh, yeah. in it. It really it was a brilliant game. Oh, plan. you've never seen it, so never mind. It's the movie reference coming out, but never mind. No, no, never share, mind. Share it for the audience. Never the mind. audience will probably appreciate it. Well, number one, like Luke's first battle with, with Vader didn't go very well. He lost a hand. Why do you always forget that I've seen Star Wars? Okay, well he lost a hand. But the second one, the Phantom Menace. Yeah. yeah Qui-Gon Jinn, when he was alone with Darth Maul for the first time, that look on his face, like, oh, this guy's got two lightsabers and I'm alone. You can't say that word on the podcast. But it was the look. It was like, oh my God. Well, now, <laughs> we gotta, now we got to believe that. <laughs> it was easier when I had two guys. Now I just got one. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I have seen Star oh, Wars, okay. though, my by bad. the way. Yeah, yeah. You always forget, like, because your default, which honestly is very fair, right. is that I have not seen the movie. Right. But I have seen all the Star Wars. Every movies. time I come up with one, you're like, I've never seen it. Just kind of falls flat. So I'm used to that. I know. Three years of the same stuff. Yes. Yes. A a exactly. So anyway, yes. Yes. Um, but the defensive performance, though, I think <coughs> there's a lot to be said for the way the Rams' defense was able to get back into, I, I don't know, really a dominating fashion yeah. against a Patriots team. And that's the interesting thing. You know, both McVay and Goff said this. If you would have said that, you know, you hold the, the Patriots to 13 points, Goff said, like, okay, like, and we're going to, he said, if you hold the Patriots to 13 points and we still lose, it's kind of like, how? Right. Well, they, they almost shut you out. <laughs> right. They hold you to three. I mean, right. That's the only time where that adage doesn't work. If we hold them to 13, we should win. Well, if they hold you to three, you that don't. means they win by 10. Right. Uh, but no, I, I thought the defense did a great <laughs> job. I mean, it felt like a bunch of guys like filling sandbags trying to stop a flood. Like, really. I mean, huh. they had to save the city, and they were trying their best. I mean, they got to everything. They dammed up the water, but eventually one got through. Yes. You know, Gronkowski got deep on you, caught it, and then, you know, you they, they ran it in. Uh, Michelle ran it in for the touchdown, the only touchdown of the game. But I thought they played great football against a, a really good quarterback and a good offense. Right. I mean, it started from that first drive mm -hmm. where, I mean, even though you they got a really good return on the kickoff, mm -hmm. started, at almost the, started at almost the 40, mm -hmm. um, and then we're going down the field, but then first pass, Roby tips it up, and right there is Corey Littleton to make the interception. Mm -hmm. They really, I thought they started well. Yeah, they did. The, the only thing they could not do, and this is why the guy won MVP, you couldn't bottle up Edelman. Yeah. Yeah, and they couldn't cover him with anybody. They couldn't bracket the guy. He was just that much better than everyone else on defense. He was absolutely, and I don't mind saying this, he was absolutely uncoverable that day. Oh, he was. He yeah. had 10 receptions on 12 targets for 141 yards. Yeah. That makes you pretty much uncoverable. Uncoverable. I mean, and it was a host of people. Uh, he was making everybody dance to his tune. Yes. Yeah. I, you know, no, you're right. Yeah. I mean, from, you know, Nikel Roby Coleman in the slot. You to Peters, to Tlaib, to, to, yeah, to, to everybody. Yes, it, when they bracket coverage with, with a linebacker and a safety over the top, he still found the dead spot. Yes. So, I mean, he's... He was tremendous, deserved that MVP. Yeah, you think so? You think it should have been the MV he should have been the MVP over a defensive player? Because um, that was that's been sort of the argument. Well, I mean, that was the reason they stayed on the field so long. You couldn't get them. I mean, the Rams defense played great except for that. And right. I mean, time of possession was in their favor, and he was every bit that. So yeah, I mean, usually it's an offensive award. If not for him, maybe one or two catches less than what he had, it's high tower easily.
Mm. The, the guy was everywhere. But, I mean, Edelman was deserving, too. I think so. I, I think so. I yeah. mean, you know, just based on the, the way that he played. And he, the best how, postseason receiver of all time? Apparently. <laughs> it's him and Jerry Rice. I mean, it's hard to argue. Right. He had another great game in the postseason, another great game in the Super Bowl. Right. Um, I think it was interesting, though, just seeing how they wanted to attack the Rams um, – the Rams defense just from early on in that game, it seemed like they were really trying to take advantage of the Rams aggressiveness up mm -hmm. front. Like I'm thinking early on when they're trapping Sue, right? Mm -hmm. So he's trying to get up the field and then he kind of does, but then they trap him and then they just run it right by him anyway. Mm -hmm. And it seemed like that worked well for them in the run game. Absolutely. I mean, look, using your aggressiveness or your enthusiasm or your adrenaline against you, you have to know that's coming, especially if you're Sue and Donald. It's happens to you at least four times a game. It's happened to you since high school. You've been this dominant forever. So you know what the offensive checks are going to be. They're not going to just let you run up the field. So there is always this old adage. If you're free in this league, especially as an interior guy, you're free for a reason. Hmm. They're just not going to forget about you in the middle. Yeah. So if all of a sudden you're running scot-free in the backfield and there's Brady and there's nobody blocking you, no, there's somebody coming. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah. a trap. No words coming. It's a wham. It's a trap. And, and you have to play it better. No excuses. Exactly. Well, in the words of Admiral Akbar, right? It's a trap. Nice. See? Good comeback. There you yes. go. There you go. I told you I watched Star Wars. Nice. Um, no, but Corey Littleton, I think, I mean, when you look at him and mm -hmm. the way he performed all year, was on the oh, he was all over the field mm -hmm. on Sunday, 10 tackles. He had the interception, also the one pass defense. I think he is going to be a player that you can really build around from that middle linebacker standpoint, and he just continued to show it on Sunday. Uh, a guy, I told you, early in training camp, he reminds me of a guy that went to UCLA, Donnie Edwards. I mean, he's a guy that never comes off the field. He's all everything. He's a tackle. He's a tackle for loss pick machine. He's that guy. Roman Pfeiffer, who did play for the Rams, same type of guy. He can cover anybody. You're tough against the run, and you're also a threat to pick the ball off. Corey Littleton takes it one step beyond. He's also a special teams nut, you know? So, I mean, he is a complete linebacker that, you know, with another year in the weight room and another year watching film, he's only going to get better. Right. And he, he was great this year. Yes. Yeah. No, for sure. Um, also, another guy that I think got a shout out is Marcus Peters. Yeah. Because I thought he played great in mm -hmm. this game. Oh, and, God. You yeah. know, like he's taken a lot of heat, taken a lot of criticism, deservedly so. But I thought in the biggest game this year, he really stepped up and he played well. He cut Hogan a frock. Good man. You know what that means? I don't know what that Hogan means. was wearing him like a suit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was. Every vertical he was on him. I mean, that's the stuff you can teach on. When you see how he played those deep balls, yeah. I mean, he was right in the mix every single play, so there was nothing there. He played great. I mean, there's pretty much to a man, everyone on defense played good football. They played well enough to win. Like you said, you, you held them to 13 points. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's you can consider that a win, except you have to outplay the other defense, which is holding your offense to three. Right. I know it's a tough ask. You know, when you're holding the Patriots, a Super Bowl offense to 13 points, but you have to do – Better. Well, James Laurinaitis <laughs> yeah. always used to say this: if if the offense scores three, that means we got to hold them to two. Absolutely, that's the way it goes. Right. Yeah, you're firemen. You got to put out the fire no matter what the score. So exactly. And I'm sure no one's going home saying, you know, we did our job. We held them to 13 points. No, you're all you all feel the same way, and you right you rightfully should. Yes. Yeah. Well, you know, there was a reporter from ESPN named Josina Anderson who was trying to start some stuff like that. Who said? Such as what? Rams, you said Rams defense. You tweeted this. Rams defensive source texted me. We needed one touchdown, Jojo. That's all. 
Like, first of all, I don't know what defensive source means. Second of all, if we're doing math here, 13 to 3 means you need more than one touchdown. So I don't know who that was or, you know, whatever it was, but yeah. like that 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 makes you you know do the man with the little the finger oh. on his chin emoji like what are you talking about here i mean why are we trying to start this stuff I, I i hope you're not trying to you know start a civil war offense versus defense that's not the way it goes but i mean they're right you all you needed was one td one touchdown to tie the game or get back in it especially when it was a 3-3 ball game yes if you could have got the lead Things would have been different. Absolutely, but, they would have been different. So, but we yeah. don't know that. I mean, right. but again, the score was thirteen to three. One touchdown doesn't win you that. Game. No, no. I'm just. But if you had a chance to take the lead, if you could have gone up ten three over the Patriots, and make them have to come back to beat you, which they can do. <laughs> yes. <laughs> which they can do. But, yes. But the way your defense was playing, all you needed was a lead, and possibly things could open up for you. I I yeah. hear that. Yeah. I hear that. But it, it's also like. Yeah. Who do you think has it worse in the off season? Jared Goff. Scoring three points versus the Patriots, or Matt Ryan, who had a twenty-eight point lead. Oh, <laughs> Matt Ryan, because people still talk about. Look, people aren't going to talk about this Super Bowl like they talk about the twenty-eight to three. They're not. Right. You know what I mean? Right, right. Like oh you God. were up twenty-eight to, to three, three and lost. And lost. <laughs> right, I know. I know. This one, Goodness. you were never in it. This one, it was yours. Yeah, yeah. They had to scrape your name off the trophy. Yes, not that they do that in, yes. in the NFL, but yeah. Yeah, crazy. So it, it, it is it is what it is. Right. Um, I think you have to take your hat off to the Patriots, no matter how you feel about them and Boston, and call it what it is. They're a dynasty. They are. Yeah. Six Super Bowls since 2001. Yes, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping and praying for retirement. The league is not set up to be that way. No, Gronk, and, you can retire. Brady, you can go to <laughs> Belichick. Aren't you done now? <laughs> right. Please leave. No, they kept saying no. They showed this on NFL mic'd up too. Like They're like, oh, yeah, oh. we're going to get another one. Oh. We'll be back. All oh, those insufferable fans are going to be back again. Oh. Oh. Also, the straw man, too. They're going to like say nobody believed in us oh. again next year. Oh. Like, who? Who is saying that? These straw man, get the straw man out of here, you know, man. I can deal with Boston fans who talk trash. I can't stand the ones that sit there with Patriot gear and just smile at you. <laughs> I hate, oh, oh, say something, will you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, anyway. <laughs> uh, before we go up, before we go into our end of season wrap up, I do want to mention this about Akib Talib and just how much of a difference he makes. Mm -hmm. So I was looking at these numbers. So without Talib this year, the Rams gave up an average of 30.8 points per game. With Talib, that went down to 17.8 points per game. That man makes a huge difference, and it's interesting just how much of a difference it makes. Now, yeah. granted, the games without Talib, you know, you're going against Kansas City, New Orleans in the regular season. Those, some elites. Some yeah. elites, the explosive offenses. Aaron Rodgers also in that period. But right. still, like, these that – it's undisputable, right? Like the facts are facts. Yes, he's 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 such an important part of anyone's defense, especially this one. But what I love is like on the sideline before the game when you're doing the national anthem, he's standing next to Wade Phillips most of the time. So he's Wade Phillips extension on the field. Yes. Yeah. I mean, they see the game from the same perspective. How to win, how to lose, what they're doing, and how we can adjust. You know. That's the type of guy that retires and goes right on to his staff. Yes. Yeah. You can hire him immediately to coach your secondary or what have you. Um, you know, forget what you think you know about Talib. The guy loves it. He loves the game and he really, really understands it. Understands it so well he can teach it. 
that's what John Johnson said. Mm-hmm. Um, saw this in an ESPN story by Lindsay Theory, and basically John Johnson was like, "I if he said don't take this the wrong way, but Tlaib could coordinate Wade Phillips' defense. That's just how well he understands it, and You're that right. is why when Tlaib comes back, John Johnson's like, you know, it puts everybody at ease. He said this multiple times. That's really the example of of what it is. He understands it that well that he can explain it and teach it to everybody else. And he's got the the gravitas, so to speak, to shake off a bad call too. Yeah, like like a pitcher and a catcher. If something comes in off the sidelines, nope, we're not going to run that. We're going to run this right here. <laughs> yeah. If he gets mad, he gets mad at me, and I'll tell him why on the sideline. Right. Yeah. Once we get this three and out. Yes. Yeah. He's he's so smart with it. Exactly that. Um. So let's let's wrap up the season yeah. here by we'll go through. A um, couple of like off season or excuse me season awards, yeah. which I know you love. The best punter on the team, Johnny Hecker. Oh, yes, right. <laughs> hey, set a record, man. Yeah, sixty five yards with that punt. Beautiful wow. bounce. Wow, Super Bowl record. Members, is that the living right bounce? Is that what, what they call now? that when you play pickup basketball and you like throw a shot in from the three point line? And, it, and it, it hits the front of the rim and goes in. That's yeah. called the living right bounce. A uh, soft rim, <laughs> something right, like that. Right. Yes, yeah. <laughs> right. You did something right. Um, but let's, let's start here. What was your favorite moment, favorite game of the year? Oh, God. Favorite moment, favorite game. Um, favorite moment, uh, Rameek Wilson getting the ball out versus Green Bay. Oh, yeah. I mean, you heard all of L.A. go, Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, Aaron Rodgers with another shot at it. Um, who knows if he takes possession of that football, how that game goes. But uh, that's number one. Um, the ones that stand out, Aaron Donald taking the football away in San Francisco. Oh, yes. Yeah, that, that stands out forever. Um, anything related to a screenplay with Todd Gurley and, and Andrew Whitworth and Roger Saffold, mm. when you, when you see those guys and they hit that screen up properly and you see those poor DBs going, Oh my God, here they come. <laughs> <laughs> right? Oh my God. He's on me so fast. And if you have to deal with this guy, then you got to deal with Todd. Um, Minnesota, that game plan, Jared Goff's throw to cup. Uh, there's just so many. It just so many plays that keep coming back to you. The shootout versus Kansas City. That yeah. whole saga, going to Mexico, not going to Mexico, playing at home, and then a shootout, 105 points scored in one game. Yeah. Did I tell you after the game, I went to my car and fell asleep for 15 minutes? What? I needed to rest. <laughs> I was going from one end, one end zone to the other. Like, slow down, guys, please. That's one of those games where after you're like, I need a cigarette. My you God. know, like... <laughs> I saw Sal Palantonio right up the tunnel, and he looks at me and goes, that's the future of the NFL. And I'm like, I sure as hell hope not. <laughs> oh, my God. You got to be in shape for that. That was crazy. I mean, there was just so many. How about you? Well, no, I think what you said about Aaron Donald, the the, the performance against San Francisco where he had four sacks, mm-hmm. six tackles for loss, and that strip on the, on the forced fumble thing from Brita, like – I've never seen a defensive performance like that at all. Like that is the most dominant defensive performance I've ever seen by an individual. And I, I, I just, I, I feel so fortunate that I got to watch all of Aaron Donald's games this year yeah. and that I've been able to see really his entire career, but that to yeah. me was just the absolute pinnacle of what he can do. It was unbelievable. And I heard, uh, I read that he says he's going to come back better. Mm-hmm. He did say that. Oh my gosh! Wow. He was getting into the gym. So today is Thursday. So we talked to him on Tuesday as the with locker clean out. He yeah. said, "I'm getting back in the gym on Thursday." Oh, he's late. I asked him. He's a day late. I well, I, well, <laughs> was, I was like, "So are you going to take any time? You know, whatever." He's like, "Nah, I'm getting back in the gym on Thursday." Yeah. I was like, Monster. "What?" Monster. He's like, "My body feels fresh." Good. Like, All right. Um, like, you know, great. Adding Fowler to the mix. Yeah, I thought was great. Um, 
you know, just the the roller coaster ride that is Marcus Peters. The up, the down, and the, you saw the great. You saw how great he is and how good he can be in the Super Bowl. It's true. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there was a defensive, a philosophical switch on defense that helped him out big time. For sure. Yeah. No, no doubt about that. Um, also, you mean you mentioned the Goff Minnesota performance. Oh yeah. That was the best game of his career, and you just, you know, McVay always says the truest measurement of performance is consistency. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get a hundred, a perfect passer rating. You know, completing nearly eighty percent of your passes every game. But man, if you can look somewhat like that, you know, three quarters of that. For the rest of your career, like that's yeah. really what's going to set you up to be great. And just that throw that he made, you know, rolling out to Cup mm-hmm. on the right, and yeah, I just remember being in the press box and saying, "Oh, no way, no way, no way." Then he lets the ball go, and it perfectly drops in the bucket to Cup. No I'll doubt. never forget that. I think Anthony Barr is still having nightmares. Oh, from he's, that game, he's still waking up, going, "Ah, Golly, <laughs> in the slot! Oh my God, please yeah. don't throw it to me!" Yeah, just there were so many, so many, just. Great efforts to get here. Um, the playoff win versus Dallas. Oh, to annihilation see, up front. Yeah, 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 you know, just to see the way they dominated up front and just the way I thought that both CJ and Todd just mm. ran so well in that game. That yeah. was that was really great. In a loss, losing to New Orleans. Yeah. That game in New Orleans, I, I thought was it was a hard-fought battle, and you almost had it. You know what I mean? Yes. You almost had it there. And then you say to yourself, we're going to come back here. Yeah, you know what I mean? You have a feeling we're going to come back here and see these guys again. And then you do. Uh, And you get the win there. So just Greg Zerline banging one from 57. Uh, Dude. Unbelievable. Finally. We've seen every kick that he's made and missed. Every time they trotted him out for a record breaker. And it was either right or left. But it had the distance. Yeah. And you're thinking, this guy can hit it from anywhere, and let's hope he can do it in the key situation. Well, he did it to send you to the Super Bowl. He sure did. A 57-yard game-winning kick was the longest game-winning kick in NFL postseason history. Wow. 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 Unreal. Unbelievable. So there were. There were just so many great moments this year, and that's what happens when you become an FC champion and go all the way to the Super Bowl. Uh, The only thing that was missing that I really wanted to have happen, it just didn't, and I thought you were like an eyelash away, JoJo Natson taking one back. Ooh, yeah. He he was that close. He was. And everybody that... That's not around the team. That gets around the team says the same thing about him. He's so little. Mm-hmm. He's so tiny. Yes. Yeah. How much does he weigh? I'm like, I think they have him listed at 175, and that might be a bit generous. I think, yeah. I think it's a little yeah. generous. A bit generous. Yes. He's weighing in with weights. Yeah. Yeah. No question. Uh, MVP of the year. Yeah. Oh, geez. Put it on me. Um. Wow. Aaron. I, Aaron Donald. That's my pick too. I mean, I want to say Goff. Without Goff, um, think about – never mind. I'm not going to throw people under the bus. But, I mean, your quarterback is the main thing. The main thing's the main thing. Yeah. Yeah, you won 13 games, and you went to the Super Bowl. So that guy had to be pretty good. So if this was college, he probably is up for the Heisman Trophy. Yes. You, you know what I mean? Yes, actually. Um, so outside of that, it would be Todd Gurley and then Robert Woods. Mm. Yeah, probably not necessarily in that order. Because I think Robert Woods and what he's given this team, you have to go back and look at the the entire season to see how big he was in certain situations to keep the drive going or to put the capper on. Just 
he he was just the guy out there, in my opinion. So I was going to, you know, my next question was offensive player of the year. Yeah. And for me, I would say Robert Woods. Mm-hmm. And it's for that reason, but it's also because of the way he seamlessly switched positions when Cooper Cup got lost for the year, mm-hmm. right? Like, that was the Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup show. Robert Woods slides over to Cooper Cup's position, and you would not have known the difference mm-hmm. because Robert Woods just stayed that consistent all year. Yeah, um, he can carry it. He can catch it. Uh, he's tough. The guy's available. You know, he's a leader. You know, he's everything you want in a, in a, in a football player. Um, if you can describe him in one word, it would be complete. Yes. Move on to the next sentence. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. I mean, the, but you're talking about him keeping drives alive and things like that. The game at Seattle. Yeah. That the Rams won. Mm-hmm. His 56-yard jet sweep, uh-huh. you know, down the right sideline, that was a huge play in that game. And he really was the only starting wide receiver left in that contest right. because both Brandon Cooks and Cooper Cup had gone out. Right. So that, to me, that tells you just how big of a guy he was yeah. all year. Where he catches it, how he catches it, and what happens after he catches it. The guy is tough as nails. Right. Yeah, and he wants more. He wants right. the ball. Yeah. But I think it's almost unfair to, to not mention Todd Gurley in something like this because Todd Gurley, what he was what, second in the league in rushing, I yeah. want to say, and he had 21 total touchdowns. So it, it's like over the last couple of months, you didn't hear as much about Todd Gurley first because of the injury and then because of the way the whole offense just was not getting as much production. But Todd Gurley had a tremendous year coming off that contract extension that he got in training camp. No doubt. No doubt. I mean, look, when you, when you score that much and your name is up there with place kickers, as far as points yeah. in a season, you're you're doing something. I, I thought McVeigh and Gurley had a, a fantastic first ten games, first eleven games. You know what I mean? Yes. And, and then you know, it is what it is, and what happened is what happened. But early in the season, I mean, Todd was easily the best player in the game, and that's with Mahomes out there as well. Wow. You know what I mean? The yeah. way, the way he was playing, the way he was scoring, and the way he was being used. He was the ultimate weapon. Yes, yes. Uh, defensive player of the year, not named Aaron Donald. <laughs> That's I was going to laugh. Are you kidding? Yeah, I know. Uh, not named John Johnson the third. Wow, that was my pick too. Yeah, yeah. John Johnson the third. Um, everywhere man, and he did every everything. You know, at a Pro Bowl level, uh, as a safety, you got to come up and tackle. You got to be a linebacker sometimes. I mean, he really gets there with bad intentions, and then you have to cover like a DB. I mean, gosh, how many plays has he made? Off his feet. So many. Flying through the air, knocking the ball down, or, you know, getting the ball out. I, I think he had a just a fantastic year. Well, he led the team with four interceptions then mm-hmm. had, of course, that big one against New Orleans, mm-hmm. you know, to help get the Rams back on the field in overtime. Um, but he also plays the run so well. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that's not maybe is appreciated from him because, you know, he's not necessarily going to get the tackles for loss. Right. When he's playing in the box, he comes up, he tackles. He's a very sure tackler. So I think that is part of why he is definitely the, the defensive player that you're not named Aaron Donald. Uh, I was talking to Mike Jones. Who? I knew it. That's why I paused. <laughs> uh, London Fletcher, um, <coughs> Kevin Carter, the guys I played with, and we were talking about him and how well he tackles. That's one thing that gets lost in the whole greatest show on turf. We were a great tackling team yeah. because we worked on it a lot in practice. The whole team, everyone, even offensive linemen, worked on tackling. We were a great tackling football team, and we wondered, how can a guy be this good at tackling when you don't practice in pads? Huh. I mean, we, no, yeah. we had to hit. It was normal for us to, to tackle people. It was normal for us to practice, but you're out there in walkthroughs for most of the year. 
or without pads on for most of the year, and he's still a great tackler. That's just a guy that just knows how to do it. Yes, yeah, he's great, and I think, you know, the more that he plays, the more that people around the league are really going to give him the recognition he deserves. Well, I want him to get snubbed every year. Why, so he just gets more motivated? Absolutely. I want him to be the hunter. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. Yeah, chase that, man. (laughs) Interesting. Yeah. Good guy, though. Very good guy, and I he's one of the guys that I really enjoy being around. I love watching him play. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, What do you think is the biggest priority now as the Rams begin their offseason? Personnel. you got to figure out who's going to be here. What are you going to do with Sue? Yeah. You know, um, LaMarcus, I believe, is going to test the market, I believe. Unless he gets franchised Unless he gets franchised here. You still have Fowler to worry about. Um, just also Roger Saffold, Roger Saffold. I mean, just, and some guys up front, are they going to retire? You mm-hmm. know, I mean, there's some question marks that will answer themselves, you know, coming in the next month, but just, there's nothing schematic. Uh, I like the offensive scheme and the play calling, obviously defensively, the same thing as well. I wish they would have gelled a little bit faster, but there's no changes to any, any of the coordinators or any of the philosophies. I like them both. Uh, I think what you have now are personnel decisions. Right. And some of those will take care of themselves. Yes, yes, no doubt. I mean, I, to me, the biggest priority would be re-signing Roger Saffold. Yeah? I, like, I, I think that he's been playing his best football over the last couple of years, and it's probably because they've given him a spot mm-hmm. and they've solidified what's around him. Mm-hmm. And, you know, being the, the way he uses his athleticism to not only be a pulling guard, but, you know, get out in front on screen plays – all those different things. He's earned that contract. That no doubt. Contract, I, I think. No doubt. Uh, and, I mean, when you think about, you know, if Witt decides to step down, Joseph sure. Noteboom is ready. Yep. If Sully decides to step down, Brian Allen is right there, ready to go. I yep. don't think you really have a backup for Roger just yet. No. Yeah, I mean, left guard is, you know, just as important as your left tackle. That's not something you just give to a guy because he's next. Right. He has to be good. Agreed. Yeah, if your left guard stinks, your quarterback's dead. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not kidding. <laughs> if, if your left guard can't block, your quarterback is dead. You better get a guy that can run. Right. Yeah. Yes. No, 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 absolutely. Um, the other thing, too, you got to replace Zach Taylor as quarterback's coach, and congratulations yeah. to him on getting that Bengals job um, as head coach there. But that's something that they're going to have to take care of, just mm-hmm. either from an internal or external standpoint. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, it's it's, you know, Sean McVay seems to be the head coach maker. So <laughs> the, the next guy that takes the job is only going to be here a year, and then he has a head coaching You coach. know, that's what they used to say about Ravens defensive coordinator, Oh, right? yeah. You know, like Marvin, Ray Lewis made head coaches. Rex, Leslie Frazier was on that staff? Uh, yeah. Or was that Minnesota? No. No, he was there before he yeah. went to Minnesota, yeah, wasn't yeah. he? Uh, um, Pagano, Pagano. Pagano, yeah. I mean, the cradle of coaches. Uh, look, you can take this offensive game plan, this philosophy, and how he teaches it, and run your own ship. I'm not sure if you're going to be able to run it as well or you have the same horses, but the offense can definitely travel or some of the philosophies can travel. Look, this is the one thing that I definitely want to say about Sean McVay. It's not just the X's and O's, it's the leadership. Because Stephen Ross, apparently, you know, the Dolphins owner, he was talking about how, you know, everybody wants the next Sean McVay or whatever, but we were looking for the right leader. And I think that is a disservice to Sean McVay and the way he leads and the amount of respect everybody has for him as a leader. You know, I, you talk to coaches both on this staff and players that are in the locker room, they talk about how McVay leads like nothing they've ever seen. 
No and doubt. that to me is his biggest strength. It's not just the X's and O's. It's who he is as a leader. And so, like, you know, everybody can talk about the fact that they want the next Sean McVay, this, that, but I think there's only one. I, I'm with you. Uh, you, you. There are things that are small things, like lining up, you know, toes on the line for, for the national anthem when everybody looks the same. All their uniforms look the same. Practice, you know, flows well. I mean, that's that's all leadership. There's There's no wasted motion on this football team. Anywhere. Nope. You know what I mean? So that's all a product of leadership. So it all goes back to him. Yes, it does all go back to him. And that's why, you know, because they have him, because mm. he's young and they've got this young offensive core, they've got a still young Aaron Donald who's under contract for the next five seasons. This is why there should be optimism for the Rams going forward. It is very hard to get back to a Super Bowl. It, it's ju- it just is. And you never know whether or not you're actually mm-hmm. going to be able to do it. But I think with the leadership that the Rams have in place and the core of players that they have in place, they've got as good a shot as anybody. Oh, yeah. I think I think Sean McVay is going to become the chin like Bill Cowher. Like he's going to start wearing a scowl next season. <laughs> I, I'm dead serious. I, you, you can already know. You know him. The guy is ultra competitive. I know. This isn't going to sit well with him. No. He's, <laughs> it <laughs> no, already isn't. No, not at all. Yeah, he's going to want some get back in a hurry. So let me just – Word of advice for guys coming in. That first mini camp, be on time. Be on time. Be ready to work. Yeah, because he is. Yep. Yeah. He's yeah. ready to go right now. Yes. Yeah. I think so, too. All right. Well, this is going to be our last uh, episode of the 2018 season of Between the Horns. So I want to thank everybody for you know just listening to this thing and helping this thing grow. Thank you, DeMarco, your great partner, oh, as thanks, always. Wales. And so, I mean, it's been my favorite season covering the Rams for good reason. And so it's been the longest. It definitely has been the longest. And, you know, while we're not going to necessarily be here every single week, yeah. you know, throughout the off season, we definitely will be here periodically. Combine, you guys draft coverage, exactly. free agency, the whole nine. We'll, there, yep. there is plenty to talk about. Mm-hmm. And especially since the Rams played into February, hey, the combine is basically in two weeks. No kidding. Yeah. I have a like a suggestion. What's that? I think we should do the next between the horns in New Orleans. <laughs> Why? I don't know. Just have some fun. <laughs> so they can like throw things at us why and hate not? us. Why not? Yeah. Oh, All right. Well, With every- NFC Championship T-shirts on. Come on. <laughs> why not? <laughs> well, everybody, thanks so much for listening. All season. This has been between the horns. Have a great one, everybody. Oh,